We meet today in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 1 to verse 14. In this chapter, we are talking about seeking satisfaction in religion. Now Solomon tries something else. And this is something that may even interest you a great deal. He tries to find satisfaction in religion. And he does not find it. Why? I'm going to say several things which may be startling to you, but don't reject them until you think about them just for a while. Did you know that religion has damned more people in this world than anything else has? Take a look at what the pagan religions have done for the people in the past and in the present. The world has many religious wars than ever before. Christians against Muslims, Hindus against Buddhists, and African traditional religions against Western Christianity. Where religion is more pronounced, even here in Africa, we have political dictators, corruption, poverty, and all the social vices you can mention. That is what religion produces. My friend, if you have a religion, I suggest that you get rid of it and exchange it for Christ. I personally do not think one can call Christianity a religion. There is no ritual whatsoever given with Christianity. Have you ever stopped to think of that? This is the reason we can have all kinds of churches with different forms of worship. For instance, you can sing the doxology if you want to, but you don't have to. Christianity was never given a form to follow. Why? Because Christianity is a person. To be a Christian means that you trust Christ. Religion has never been very helpful to men, my friend. Solomon sought satisfaction in religion. Listen to what he is saying now. And this is terrific. Walk prudently. When you go to the house of God and draw near to hear rather than to give the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they do evil. Ecclesiastes 5 verse 1. You see, going to some churches is not only a waste of time. It is wrong. It is wrong to give your approval to a liberal pulpit a pulpit that teaches that Christ is not God. It is wrong, actually, when you do not give your support to a Bible-believing pastor who is preaching the word of God, and you give it to where they are preaching simply social reforms. Solomon tried being religious. He went up to the temple, but he warns, have as little to do with it as possible. Keep your mouth shut. Go and sit. But for goodness sake, don't commit yourself to anything. That's what he is saying. Do not be rash with your mouth. And let not your heart utter anything hastily before God. For God is in heaven and you on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. Ecclesiastes 5 verse 2. You see, he is warning. Do not make any decision under the stress of emotion. Cry at the movies, but don't do it. In the church, don't sign a pledge. If you are going to rent an apartment or a house, it is all right for you, my friend, to sign on the dotted line. 
but don't commit yourself to God in writing. In other words, make it a religion. Go through the form, but avoid reality. That's what he is saying. My friend, Solomon is not the only one who tried that. There are a lot of unhappy people in our churches today. They never get involved. They just go through a nice, sweet, little ritual. There is nothing as deadening as such an attitude, except that some will even do that. They will simply come and not get involved and not commit themselves to anything. When they have died, their relatives will come around all over and say, he used to come to this church, he used to belong here, pastor, and the elders and the deacons, come and do something. For a dream comes through much activity, and a fool's voice is known by his many words. Ecclesiastes 5 verse 3. Worries and anxieties, and not work itself in business or personal life, can preoccupy a man's mind, and disturb his sleep by producing fanciful imaginations instead of peaceful sleep. Just as multiple pressures of business produce restlessness and dreams, so an excess of words, especially in prayer, obscures the message. There are a lot of things being said in church that should not be said, but so many words are uttered even when people are praying. When you make a vow to God, do not delay to pay it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you have vowed. Ecclesiastes 5 verse 4 Don't go forward at an invitation unless you really are going to mean business and do business with God. When you make a vow to God, do not delay to pay it. Don't break your vow not to God, my friend. You can't promise God things, fail to make good on them, and then expect to maintain a vital relationship with God. There is a lot of religious talking and pious promising that is absolutely meaningless because it is never carried out. Do you know that God actually gave a law concerning vows? When you read in Leviticus chapter 27, you will find those laws. When you make a vow to God, you had better mean what you say, because God is going to hold you responsible to it. There is many a person who is no longer a missionary, many a preacher who is now out of the pulpit, many a Christian who has been put out of the shelf because they promised God that which they didn't mean at all. It is not a religious ceremony when you are dealing with God. You are dealing with a person who hears you and he expects you to keep your promise. Don't just think when you are making a statement before God, it's simply a ritual. God is hearing. Better not to vow than to vow and not pay. Do not let your mouth cause your flesh to sin, nor say before the messenger of God that it is an error. Why should God be angry at your excuse and destroy the work of your hands? Ecclesiastes 5, 5-6 After making a vow to God, we are not to say it was an error. I should never have said it. I didn't really mean it. That is out, my friend. 
You cannot say so. We are dealing with a living God. It seems there are many people today who don't know that. As a result, they stand way out on the fringes of the things of God. God is a reality. And we need to be very careful in our dealings with him, that we don't play games with him. For in the multitude of dreams and many words, there is also vanity, but fear God. Ecclesiastes 5 verse 7. In the multitudes of dreams and many words, there is vanity. That is all kinds of emptiness. When many words are being spoken, there is emptiness there. There are no substitutes, my friend, for a personal relationship with God. So many people say, I have had a dream or I have had an experience. They are putting their trust in that. Here the word of God says there is emptiness, there is vanity. There are many people today who use an experience to test the word of God. It must be the other way around, my friend. All experiences must be tested by the word of God. We are instructed to try the spirits to see whether they are of God or not. In First John chapter 4, verse 1. Too many people go out on a tangent of experience and live by experience. That is merely religion. That is an appeal to the emotion, an appeal to the aesthetic sense. My friend, does your faith in Christ rest upon experience or does it rest upon the naked word of God? Do you have a religion or do you have Christ and do you have a relationship with him? If you see the oppression of the poor, and the violent perversion of justice and righteousness in a province, do not marvel at the matter. For high official watches over high official, and higher officials are over them. Ecclesiastes 5 verse 8 Now, it is typical of governments in this fallen world that officials are more interested in saving themselves than saving the people of the land. In my own country and Africa as a whole, we have heard much about corruption in the poverty program. There are so many people today who are attempting to get rich at the expense of the poor. God will judge that. For high official watches over high official and higher officials are over them. You see, my friend, God sees what is going on. I think that any Christian who is in a program in which he sees corruption should get out of that program. If you see corruption in a program, believe me, God sees the corruption in that program and God will deal with it in judgment. The history of this world bears that testimony. God watches what governments do to the poor. Governments that have exploited the poor have fallen. Their fall wasn't a nice thing by any means. It was an awful thing. But I believe that it was the judgment of God upon the corruption of nations in which a few people were living at the expense of the many poor. He will do the same today, regardless of which nation you are in, regardless of who you are. He will do it. God has much to say about the relief of the poor, my friend. When the Lord Jesus comes to reign 
during the kingdom age, which we call the millennium. Then they will find that there is one reigning who really means business when he says that he is going to do something for the poor. There will be justice and righteousness for them. I don't think that he will put them on any kind of uh, dull system, but every person will make his contribution and will receive justice at his hands. This brings us to the new section now in Solomon's experiments to find satisfaction in life. As we have seen, he tried science, the study of natural laws. He tried wisdom and philosophy. He tried pleasure and materialism. He tried living for now, which is called egotism. He tried fatalism. He tried living for self. Then he tried, of all things, religion. Now, we will see Solomon engage in another experiment. Solomon was in a position to pursue and enjoy wealth better than anyone else. He was probably the richest man who has ever been on this earth. He gave himself over to the accumulation of gold, and he could buy anything that he wanted. The riches of Solomon was the factor that finally brought the downfall of the nation. The greed of the surrounding nations was aroused. They wanted to move in to get some of that wealth. God had put up a war of protection around Israel, but that war crumbled, and God allowed nations to come into Israel and help themselves, seeking satisfaction in pursuit and enjoyment of wealth was Solomon's next experiment. He says, He who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver, nor he who loves abundance with increase. This also is vanity. Ecclesiastes 5 verse 10 Now, the president of a great corporation comes to the end of the year and he sees a tremendous profit but that actually does not satisfy him. A man may have a big bank account, which is full, which has money, which offers him some measure of security, but it will not satisfy him at all. Wealth will not bring satisfaction in life, my friend. Wealth is not wrong in itself. The scripture never condemns wealth. It condemns the love of money. Not the money itself, but the love of money is a root of all evil, according to First Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. To accumulate wealth for wealth's sake is wrong. The miser thinks dollars are flat so they can be stugged. The spendthrift thinks they are round so that they can be rolled. Both are entirely wrong. Man's attitude toward money is the issue here. The love of money makes people to try to get rich for riches' sake. We see men who are held together, bound together in an arrangement just to make money for money's sake. Greed is the ingredient that holds big businesses together. It holds the mafia together. It holds many organizations together. It would be so wonderful if men would make money for the glory of God. 
It would be wonderful if men labored for money for the glory of God. It would be so wonderful if money were put into proper use. The only cure for greed, of course, is to have Christ in the heart. When Christ is not in the heart, the pursuit is all wrong. When goods increase, they increase who eat them. So what profit have the owners except to see them with their eyes? Ecclesiastes 5 verse 11 Growth just for the sake of growth is no good at all. This is true of a business or even of a Christian organization and a church. I've also learned as a pastor that just to grow for the sake of growing so one can have a big church is nothing in the world but a big headache, my friend. There is no fun in it. There is no joy in it. The Lord taught me that to grow for the glory of God is to be my one purpose in life. I keep this goal before me. Asafa, you are to be an abiding disciple, making abiding disciples, not simply to have a big church for the sake of a big church. The sleep of a laboring man is sweet, whether he eats little or much, but the abundance of the rich will not permit him to sleep. Ecclesiastes 5 verse 12. This is a good one. The laboring man may not have too much to eat. That keeps him from being a gluttony. And he probably sleeps a lot better by not overeating. The rich man has an abundance. In fact, he has a gourmet food all the time and he gets pretty tired of his food. He loses his appetite for it. Besides that, he has to worry about his riches, which keeps him awake all night. Riches multiply anxieties. What a tragedy. There is a severe evil which I have seen under the sun. Riches kept for their honor to his hurt. Ecclesiastes 5 verse 13. You see, riches actually hurt rather than help a great many people. Sometimes the poor man is happier than the rich man. However, the apostle Paul said that he knew both how to be in plenty and how to be in need. But those riches perish through misfortune. When he begets a son, there is nothing in his hand. Ecclesiastes 5 verse 14. My friend, he is saying here that a man can accumulate a fortune and leave it to a son. And the boy will run through it. He will spend it all. Actually, today, many people have become pretty wise about that. A man doesn't leave the money to his son directly, but maybe in a trusteeship so that someone else will give out the money to the boy in small amounts to preserve the family fortune. There are a lot of prominent men today who never made a dime in their own lives. The reason they are rich is because they inherited it. They lack discernment in the use of the money, yet they are in position of influences. This is one of our problems today. My friend, in Africa, 
we are already experiencing even a sharp division, not between races, but between the rich and the poor. Solomon learned that wealth does not satisfy, nor is it the solution to the problems. The more people are now focused on wealth rather than relationships, problems are beginning to mount. And may God bring us back to a relationship with himself and then with each other instead of simply turning to the pursuit of materialism. That way we would even bring sanity and bring up children in the way that promises a future for the generations to come. You can have copies of the notes and outlines used for these Living Word for Africa programs so you can follow them as you listen. For your copies, please write to The Living Word for Africa, P.O. Box 4232, Kempton Park, 1620, South Africa. Please say which book of the Bible you want them for and be sure to include your name and contact information. Let me give you that address again. It's The Living Word for Africa, P.O. Box 4232, Kempton Park, 1620, South Africa.